It is too dangerous to talk here. Come, I will tell you more as we ride. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the NDE. It was free through all and I heard him say, he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello and welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands. My name's Spencer, AKA Free Thrall. And in this episode, I've got a couple of unboxings, a couple of calls to respond to, and a little spoiler-free review of The Green Knight. I think it's safe to say. Now I'm talking about the film, not the RPG. Um, the RPG does look interesting. I'm particularly interested in the way it manages. It, it's got this kind of honor mechanic, which is something that I um, I find quite interesting. I'm, I, cer I certainly favor the idea of replacing like something like alignment with reputation. So idea of a more objective morality rather than something universal but while the game does look interesting it strikes me as being a little expensive for what it is it's a nice looking box set but um with the, the price of it and shipping from the us you know it's I'm, I'm not even going to entertain that if it's available over here at reasonable price i might be interested in picking it up but it seems to be quite a bit of a layout for a game that's essentially a one shot and I'm, I'm not suggesting it doesn't have replayability but but it, it is seeking to do a specific thing rather than being um the kind of toolbox games that i'm drawn to but but that's enough waffling let's get on with the show So what have we here? Package about A4 size, approximately inch and a half thick. This could be a couple of things actually. Aha! It's, it was my first assumption. Best left buried deeper and um wow first of all really nice looking book much better than the previous edition i have to say um oh it smells good bit of uh white on black i don't mind that at all yeah it's not all like that very cleanly laid out um, well, as much as I enjoyed the previous edition, I didn't really like the, the layout. It wasn't easy to read. I, I've got to say, this is a vast 
improvement, very, very clean presentation. Appears to be quite a bit thicker as well. So kicking off with the rule summary, nice. Getting started, then straight into making a character. Yeah, so this is a Kickstarter I backed back in, uh, well, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you when it was. Um, it feels like a long time ago. But uh, yeah, let's have a look. Archetypes, I like that. Believer, Kabbalist, or Kabbalist. Cutthroat, Dastard, and Everyman, Freeblade, Outcast, Physica, Protagonist, Scholar, Traveller, Veteran, Warhammer vibes coming off of this. The illustrations, I mean. And, and, well, and the, and the archetypes themselves. Um... I was very interested in Best Left Buried from the moment I first clapped eyes on it. Um, just the the emphasis on the horror of dungeon delving. I don't know. I just like that that angle of uh, kind of living on the edge and um, significant consequences for gung ho. Heroics. Grip mechanically represents spiritual and physical decay and ruination. Running out of grip is the last straw. The crypt digger completely loses their sense of self and will to live. They either die of shock or a heart attack or run off to join the crypt's denizens, being reduced to zero grip is just as lethal as being reduced to zero vigor. Types of consequences. Consequences are divided into injuries, brackets, physical wounds, and afflictions, brackets, delusions, mental health issues, developed due to the crypt's terrifying and mind-bending inhabitants and environments. List of afflictions, bitter grudge, brittle-minded, debilitating dread, deep despair, feasting dreams, frothing rage, guided by gods, hauled lust, I am the fire, I shall be clean, lost and without hope, love of the dirt, man-eater, Silver fingers, solace in the bottle, the glorious blaze, they are watching, an unholy communion. Monsters, this is another interesting thing about the, the system, the fact that monsters are very much a mystery, uh, unknown quantity, and hopefully strike fear in both players and characters um yeah really really nicely done just uh, world building stuff things from beyond space and time yeah nice very 
nicely put together book here. A few, few maps in the back. Crafting, player facing maps. Um, yeah, very nicely put together. The previous edition was um, kind of had a gloss finish to the pages, which I can't say I'm a fan of. And very pleased to see this, this is a nice matte finish and uh, real thick pages to this too. Really well put together book. About three times thicker than its predecessor, I would say. Best Left Buried Deeper is a rules-like fantasy horror role-playing game where the monsters are scary and you are scared. Players are crypt diggers, professional dungeon divers who venture into monster-infested crypts seeking riches. Survivors might find themselves richer but will be changed by their experience. They are often broken, beaten and diminished as ruined as the crypts themselves. The doomsayer guides them on their journey, a referee who creates the threatening environments, cryptic puzzles and terrifying monsters the crypt diggers face. This book contains the combined manuscripts of three components, the crypt diggers guide to survival, the doomsayers guide to horror and the hunters guide to monsters. It contains everything you need to play, as well as guidelines and procedures for running games. I'm going to enjoy tucking into that, I think. Oh, another unboxing. Um, not sure what this is. Quite a slim package about four by eight uh, large envelope but it's uh, cardboard um, let's see may not even be gaming related so this recording might not see that ah, I know what it is I ordered something from Lulu and it's arrived a lot sooner than I was expecting it's the, the Hex Hack, a sandbox campaign for use with the Black Hack and the other OSR and D20 games um, by John R. Davies and Mike Gaylor from Dog's Dinner Games. This has been around for quite a while. I've had it on PDF. It's, I mean, it's basically a book of tables and um, I thought it'd be a nice addition to my little Black Hack box set. It'll slip in there nicely. And uh, yeah, very useful stuff. What have we got in here? Let's look at the contents. 20 reasons to go into the wilderness. Always handy. 20 things you see to set you on your way. 20 things around your campsite. 20 things to see and do in a wizard's tower. 20 rival explorers. 20 areas of the cultist's lair, 20 places a creature calls home, 20 descriptions of wondrous landscapes, 20 places to bury the dead, 20 traps, 20 long discarded bits of kit, 
20 trees that look somewhat suspicious, 12 places where the dead cat, where the dead can't rest, dead cat, um, <laughs> 12 uses of usage dice, 12 fearsome reptilian foes, 12 wicked humanoids, 12 areas in the classic dungeon with a twist, 20 ways to fulfill the quest. Uh, yeah, lots of interesting stuff there. And I basically picked this up because I'd ordered something else and thought, well, as I was paying for the uh, delivery, I might as well throw something else in there. So that was a little bonus for myself. What I actually wanted was the printed copy of Cairn, the Enter the Odd fantasy hack. Um, I say Enter the Odd. There's lots of influences from Naive in here as well. Uh, Weird North and Dolmenwood. So that's nice. Quite a few little illustrations from uh, Arthur Rackham in here as well, whom I'm a big fan of. This is a nice, nice little hack of Into the Odd. Just really nicely put together. Along the lines of, um, what was that one I kind of reviewed recently? Um, Rogueland. Although Rogueland um, has some similar content, the system is a little different. It's more in line with Knave than Into the Odd, but um, also contains a lot of useful stuff and um, kind of locations and maps and things like that, which would work very well with this. So that's nice. I just wanted to add that Cairn was written and designed by Yochai Gal. Um, apologies if I'm getting that wrong. That's probably why I left it out the first time. And um, Best Left Buried is written by Zachary Cox with art by Ben Brown, incorporating some work from uh, Brian Yakshay and the Hunter's Guide to Monsters section is written by Nicholas Spence. And that is from Soul Muppet Publishing. Probably a good opportunity to mention another podcast that I've been listening to, Logar the Barbarian, Wobblies and Wizards. It's on Anchor, although I've been unable to find it through the app. Um, I'm actually subscribed through my other podcatcher, um, Podcast Addict, that seems to be pretty good at finding everything that's available. Yeah, that the search function on Anchor is lacking, to, to, to put it as nicely as possible. And yes, that's a nice little podcast. I think it's daily, short episodes. Um, the most recent episode that popped up is a review for Can and... Um, if you're interested in listening to somebody who just, you know, really enjoys the hobby and shares and shares their thoughts about the games they love, just just a really nice podcast to listen to with a real positive outlook.
I have to admit, I was a little disappointed in your build up there because after seeing how you weren't going to play OSC and you were going to pick a system that, you know, was easier and you could learn and memorize and not have to reference books and all, I was sure you were going to say MERP, but then you said into the odds. So that, that did disappoint me a little bit. Enjoyed your show. Talk to you soon. Hey Jason, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast there and uh, I do appreciate your call. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but um, yes, Merp is not something I'm really interested in running. I mean, certainly as far as a, a rule book that I wouldn't have to reference. I mean, are you forgetting the uh, tables in there? Um, and even if I were thinking about playing in a in a Middle Earth based game, I would probably lean towards something like the One Ring or um, Hero's Journey, perhaps. Yes, yeah, I, I know. I used to play Merp back in the day. Merp is the game that started it all for me. But, but as I've said before, my gaming now is not really about nostalgia. And while I do enjoy flipping through those old books, um, I'm much more excited by by the lighter stuff being produced these days. That's not to say I wouldn't play it, or even um, I, I wouldn't mind giving uh, Against the Dark Master a bash if I if I wanted to kind of mess around in that system. But as far as running it is concerned, I just I don't think that's on the cards. But yeah, thank you very much for your call, Jason. Cheers. And from a, a message from someone who I've clearly disappointed to somebody who couldn't be more pleased. Yo, Spencer, awesome episode. I get excited every time a new one drops from you, man. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for reminding me about Blogs on Tape. That is a great podcast that I used to listen to, and I didn't know they were back, so thanks. And I, I need to check that one out, because from what I heard you saying, that is my favorite definition of what the OSR is. That it is just a romanticized, idealized version of what games were like back then, and not, as the community always says, what they really, 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 really were like, and this is the old school way. Uh, yeah, that's perfect, man. I've been talking about that for years now, right? And trying to get to that point, and they nailed it in one, as as you all say. Anyway, dude, thanks. And like I've said before, man, you'll get to running games when you're ready to run games, dude. No worries about it at all. Anyway, man, peace out. Thank you, Joe. Joe Richter of Hindsightless there, and... Um, I'm so glad that I've finally said something about the OSR that you've not only understood, but you've agreed with. And, uh, well, I say I've said it. I've, I've read it out of an article. But I'm glad that I was able to bring blogs on tape to your attention. Um, there's so many blogs out there that it's very difficult to keep track of what's worth reading. And especially with our old Frofsoff and his... Uh, Hump Day Bloggerama not being around anymore. Uh, that certainly made things easier. But yes, Blogs on Tape is back and it's well worth a listen. Always something interesting coming up there. As far as uh, your, your comment there about uh, people in the OSR 
claiming that that is how games were always played in the old days. It seems that looking at those categories, the, the six communities of play, you know, there was never one way to play. I mean, that, that first category, classic, is defined as um, Gary taking the game from OD&D to AD&D, a game that he'd originally called the non-game and turning it into something more systematized, more, more gamist in, you know, in an attempt to, well, I, I think for the specific reason, the hobby was growing, the introduction of conventions, people coming from different areas together to play the game together and, uh, you know, trying to standardize that. People could turn up to a convention with a character they'd been playing with elsewhere and for them to be able to drop that character into a con game with a group they'd never played with before. The, the intention being that things could then run seamlessly. Whether that was ever truly achieved, I don't know. I wasn't there. Maybe a little more competitive in, in terms of what was going on at those cons, I imagine. And then you've got the what's called the trad gamers, traditional players, who, by the sounds of it, it's they were playing around the same time, but they were playing in a different style, where the GM has got a grand plan, a vision, and the players are buying into that campaign idea. And the, the game has more of a narrative bent, but that narrative is very much being controlled by the GM. And, and I'm not going to go through all the other definitions because the, the article is really worth checking out and says things much better than my uh, crude understanding of it would allow me to do. But um, yeah, thanks for your call, Joe. Cheers. Hold up. Hello, this is me butting in from some time in the future. It has been brought to my attention that this upcoming section, despite me saying I don't want to give away any spoilers, I've been contacted to say that this does indeed contain spoilers. So if that concerns you, the next section is about seven minutes long. I think the problematic element is in the last two minutes. But if you've got any concerns about me ruining the film, then yeah, please jump seven minutes ahead. You have been warned. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to do a quick review of The Green Knight, um, the film directed by David Lowry. Now, I'm not going to be doing any spoilers, but I do want to talk about the, the film in comparison to the, the source material. First of all, I think the film's incredible. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And it's as far as fantasy films are concerned, it's right up there. It's, um, you know, it's it's quite an artsy film. It's... It's not hurried in its in its pacing. 
Um, but at the same time, there is so much going on in this. I mean, as far as the sort of the symbolism, the different ways of, to interpret what you're being shown, I, I just I found it really interesting. I see myself uh, getting a lot more from subsequent viewings. The the film is based on the story of Gawain and the Green Knight, an Arthurian legend written in the 14th century. And um, now I'm not sure. Apparently there's a couple of different versions of the story, whether that's um, a couple of different versions that have come out of the 14th century or these are the result of translations and reinterpretations of the story. I'm not too sure. Um, But this is something that was, as I say, written in the 14th century and kind of went missing for something like 500 years, I think, and was uh, rediscovered. And uh, that's when the translations were done. Uh, One famously by J.R.R. Tolkien. And what's notable about the story itself is that it is kind of a... It's almost a subversion of Arthurian legend in the fact that the the protagonist, Sir Gawain, he's the nephew of King Arthur. He's um, young, he's inexperienced, he's quite a humble character and the, the, the story is all about him uh, trying to prove himself as a knight and throughout the story he comes back to thoughts of his own mortality which is something that's not kind of characteristic of Arthurian legend um these the heroes know their heroes and they go out and they do you know the heroics and and that, you know and, and in that way the the story of Gawain is about him kind of uh, proving himself as a knight and it's a tale about the nature of myth and legend itself and in some ways, the, the the film certainly continues in that vein. In fact, it kind of subverts it even more by making Gawain a, a, a bit spoiled. I think he's young, he's cocky, he's arrogant, he's kind of coddled, he's not proven himself to be worthy as a knight. He's not really been tested. He's kind of down the brothel when he should be. Uh, doing his religious studies and stuff like that. And when the Green Knight turns up, he arrogantly thinks that he can, you know, beat the Green Knight at his own game. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure how this is portrayed in the, in the original tale, but uh, in, in the film, the witch uh, Morgan is his mother and she summons the green knight and it's kind of presented as if she's wanting to test her son she wants her son to go out into the world and make something of himself um but by the same token she's concerned about his well-being and she gives him this green sash which means that he cannot be harmed while he's wearing it so there's, there's a bit of a dichotomy there. The original story itself is kind of a story within a story. It starts off, uh, I think it's Christmas Eve, 
and the king has all the knights gathered and they're sitting around having a feast and the tradition is they they share stories but then the green knight shows up and offers this challenge to exchange blows and he has this axe and he's like you know um whoever wants to come forward and hit me with this axe in a year's time i will return the blow and Gawain kind of sees this accepts the challenge thinks he sees a loophole and that as you probably know is just the beginning uh, what's interesting about the film as well is it kind of embraces this sense of ambiguity of the different versions of the tale. In fact, different characters pronounce his name differently. And in the film, you're shown different ways. I'm, I'm not sure how to say this without spoiling anything, but um, you kind of shown different ways that things could play out and, and throughout. This version of the tale, Gawain is repeatedly tested and he, keep, he keeps failing these tests. He's um, kind of failing forward in a lot of ways. And um, it's also a film about ageing, the passing of time, transitioning. It's almost like the, the, the world is moving on from this kind of time of legends. Um, the casting is really good. Dev Patel in particular as Gawain is just, he's really great at portraying this sort of uncertain but plucky character that's completely out of his depth and yet being kind of driven to continue on. This uh, sort of doggedness about him, this de determination. And uh, yeah, like I say, I don't really want to say too much more only that i really enjoyed it i really got a lot out of it and um i can't wait to watch it again i saw it on the small screen but i would love to get the opportunity to go and see it in a theater And here's a little bonus section, a little bonus unboxing, and also an opportunity to talk about the uh, rather full gaming weekend lined up, for me at any rate, I'd say full weekend. There's two games and a meeting. The, the first game is in Barney's League of Eternal Guardians, which is part of the... Everyone Games 2 convention going on this weekend, which is all about accessibility with a, a focus on people with visual impairments, but also people dealing with all kinds of um, conditions and challenges. But um, yeah, that's that, very much looking forward to that. That's an afternoon session, which is something that doesn't happen very often for me. And then on Sunday... I've got a meeting with the guys uh, at Barney, Tom Barbelay and David Sermon about um, the alluvial planes. And those, those monthly meetings have been very 
very helpful actually just to sit and kind of throw ideas out there and um give it some a bit of momentum i think and uh yeah admittedly i i, I need to pull my finger out there um and then that's followed by the session in andy's call of cthulhu game the uh ghost jackal kill scenario that we're on i think we might be on session 10 or 11 of that and i think that will be the last session of that particular scenario i'm very much looking forward to that and um to what's next in store but back to this small unboxing i say small i've got a an envelope here do not bend it's a little a6 size the card backing i believe this is something i ordered from etsy uh, i think it's a little a little solo game nice uh, side quests a nice little book there unfortunate positioning of staples <laughs> but um but it's a nice little book nicely illustrated that's uh, the fortress of bones side quest is a dice and decision based role-playing game where you'll take on the role of a noble hero leading a band of adventurers on a glorious quest across the realms in this section you'll learn how to use and play your games and in the rest of the zine you'll find a quest to play through so uh it, yeah very nicely illustrated Where, where's the author this is from was it estragonhelmer.com um i guess uh, more information can be found at that website there e-s-t-r-o-g-o-n-h-e-l-m-e-r.com so that's that and uh, what's this an amazon package i've got no idea what's in here it's like a book may not be game related at all and no it isn't it's a penguin classic tolstoy's death of ivan Ilyich, which i've not read but i i just saw somebody talking about it on on youtube and i thought you know what that sounds interesting it's about a guy who's discovers he's dying and is contemplating impending death so well that's a cheery note to end on bye well that's about enough from me i think thank you very much for listening thank you so much for your calls if you want to leave me a message please contact me via the anchor link in the description you can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com there's a facebook page for keep off the borderlands you can find me on twitter and me we on the audio dungeon discord and various other places on discord as free thrall i'd also like to thank tj drennan for the wonderful music he provides 
And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.